Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. You can now take KRBN Internet News Talk Radio with you on your mobile phone as we are making it easier to listen to the great hosts here on KRBN, including our very own West Lane County Commissioner, Jay Bozovich. It's free and available on Google Play. Just look for player.fm. That's player.fm and search for KRBN. Live from Lane County, Oregon, it's the Bose No Show with your host, West Lane County Commissioner, Jay Bozovich. And now, here's Jay. a gorgeous day in the Pacific Northwest, and welcome to the Bose Nose Show, and I'm your host, Jay Bozovich, West Lane County Commissioner, and we're coming to you live from beautiful downtown Elmira, and I am back, and I'm still your commissioner. Um, I'm back from jolly old England, where I got to spend a good part of my time in Cornwall, the land of Doc Martin and Ross Poldark. Um, it was, you know, really a pretty picturesque area. Um, actually went to the town that uh, passes for Port Wynn in Doc Martin at Port Isaac. Uh, and it is exactly like um, just about the uh, TV show. A few, few places they obviously take from other, other spots in England. Um, but it, it was uh you could actually see the house that is Doc Martin's house and everything is in that town. Um, just, you know, picturesque little towns, uh, corn, you know, these little um, towns right on the coast in Cornwall. It was just really pretty uh, and got to see Stonehenge on the way. So it kind of gives you a feeling for, uh, you know, how long we've been around as humanity and, England kind of gives you a feel for what's really old. <laughs> you know, as, as I sat in a tavern that dated back to 1300s, uh, you realize as you're thinking about it, that was before Columbus discovered America. <laughs> so it, you know, history there is a little bit deeper. And I really enjoyed being there, enjoyed kind of getting to see some of that history in England and visiting uh, around there. It was a lot of fun, was helping my wife, uh, who was actually leading a textile tour there. So I did did spend some time slinging luggage and helping herd the cats that are the uh, folks that signed up for the tour. Uh, so it wasn't all fun and games in some ways. I was actually there to do some work. But I'm back, and now it's time for the KRBN election recap. Not to be outdone by CNN and Fox when it comes to the lead-in music for election coverage. Robin, my producer extraordinaire there, helped us out there. Oh, and by the way, if you want to get in on the conversation and talk about yesterday's election results, ask me about my trip to England or talk about whatever else you want to talk about. It's 646-721-9887 is the telephone number here at Bo's Nose Show. And just press 1. And that lets Robin, my producer and call screener, know you want to get in on the conversation. Again, that's 646-721-9887. Just press 1. So yesterday's election was interesting. And uh, it, it did some interesting things. And I guess, you know, nationally, one of the takeaways for me was 
There were surprises where the Republicans did better in some states, and there were surprises where the Democrats had stronger showings than we thought. But they sort of balanced out, and if you step back and look historically, prospectively, it was actually a really good election, midterm election for a sitting president. Usually the sitting president will lose uh, seats in both houses in a midterm election and to actually gain seats in the Senate and then um, only lose the number of seats that were lost yesterday in the House, uh, you know, was far better than, than recent history. As you look at the first midterm for Barack Obama or the first midterm for um, the Bushes or, or the Clintons, uh, that just, you know, that was not a bad midterm for a president. So in some ways, you can look at it that way. Kind of interesting that Florida and uh, Iowa and Missouri, a couple districts and, and um, Virginia kind of seemed to, to, you know, and the Tennessee race went the Republicans way. But then I look at um, Oregon and California, Washington, um, and some other areas, and there is definitely a very strong blue wave here on the West Coast. Uh, you know, maybe there's just different motivations. I'm not sure. It looked like there was a real success in getting um, population centers to turn out. And population centers generally hold a very strong Democratic edge in registration. And that kind of showed in the results for Oregon. So as you look at Oregon and there's a very strong turnout in the Portland area, a very strong turnout in the Eugene area. Um, and then as you look at how the governor's race went, and Kate Brown is, is back for another four years with a 5% win, which is not a landslide, and it's not a mandate, but it's not um, a close race. It was a lot more spread than what was predicted when the, the polls were showing it less than 3% um, on some polling. So... Uh, you know, uh, a comfortable win for Kate Brown, but not a land, not a mandate or a landslide. Um, unfortunately, uh, it looks like the uh, legislature is going to be a supermajority in both houses for the Democrats, and I believe that they're going to govern like it was a landslide uh, in the coming year. So, as you you know, look at what the statewide election results meant it means that we are going to have um, a legislature that's going to be very activist um, and a governor willing to sign whatever they put in front of her, which means we're looking at a cap and trade, uh, cap and invest, whatever you want to call it, carbon tax bill will definitively come out this year and be signed by the governor, uh, which I'm a little concerned because you know, the estimates of how much that might cost the average uh, Oregon household are are fairly significant. Because when you talk about, you know, raising the cost of carbon, carbon is energy. Energy is built into every uh, product we have. And it's also, you know, more directly people associate it with their electric bills or their uh, bills at the gas pump. Um, but you know, it's really built into a lot of other things. You know, everything from the, the restaurant you buy your food at where they've got to buy natural gas in order to cook that food, uh, that natural gas price is going to go up. So that may be reflected in how much your restaurant charges you for that food. So you'll be paying that, that carbon uh, pricing of whatever they do um, every time you purchase almost anything in the state. You know, that, that, so that it's going to be a, it's the kind of tax I don't like. It's going to be a tax you won't see. It won't say on the gas pump or on your electric bill, this portion of your electric bills due to the cap and trade uh, system that Oregon put in place, but there will be a portion of your electric bill that's paying just for that system. There's going to be a portion of your filling up your tank. There's going to be a portion of your grocery bill. There's going to be a portion of your clothing cost 
all of it's going to have that buried in it somewhere. And hidden taxes that people don't really understand their pain are really easy for politicians to increase. So as the system goes down the road, you know, they can make it work out to actually generate more and more revenue without people really seeing that pain. So look for that coming out of the legislature with a supermajority and the governor willing to sign it. You're probably going to see um, some changes to uh, criminal sentencing laws come through. Uh, you might see some work on trying to revamp the property tax limitation laws. Of course, that'll have to be referred out uh, as a constitutional amendment. Um, you may see some attempts to backdoor that in some ways. So it will be interesting, especially uh, as some of the statewide measures failed, particularly measure 104, which would have provided better definition around what is a revenue increase and requiring a supermajority to pass. But if you have a supermajority, that doesn't even matter. So you may see some tax increases in the next uh, biennium here as, as the, uh, the party that, that tends to want to increase revenues um, is going to have the votes to do so without any cooperation from the other party. It'll be interesting to see, though, because the, their supermajority in the Senate is slim, and Senator Betsy Johnson is quite the maverick sometimes, so it'll be interesting to see um, on some things whether they can get her to go along. And uh, so that may be our, our, our saving grace is that, that Betsy sometimes can be pretty pro-business um, and, and may not go along with some of the, the things that the Democrats want to do. She is very strong on education, though, so she's probably going to um, be right with them on increasing education budget, uh, which somehow or another is going to have to be paid for. So they're probably going to get her to agree to revenue increases because it's going to be matched with, with increases in the education budget. So with that cheerful piece of news for some people. You know, there are other people that might really be cheering it on. I know the, it, you know, it was a big win in Oregon for the public employee unions in a lot of ways because they're, um, they, they kind of won what they wanted to win. They, they defeated measure 103 and 104, which were um, tax limiting and revenue limiting uh, measures pretty handily. Um, and that's, you know, was a lot of, uh, union effort in that, uh, you know, and uh, the one thing that did, the only measure that did pass actually provides more money for um, government projects, um, government housing projects, which are managed by public employees, but allowing the ownership of those to be shared with um, non-government. So it's, yeah, it's interesting. Um, concepts, uh, you know, with, with that bonding issue under Measure 102. The, probably the bigger, you know, some of the bigger headline news statewide was defeat of Measure 105 and 106. Um, you know, 105, of course, was to repeal what people call our sanctuary state law. I've talked about it on the Bozno's program before that that law actually doesn't qualify us as a sanctuary state. <clears throat> you know, be under the under the executive order that defines what sanctuary is from the Trump administration, it does not bar the communication with ICE after you have somebody in criminal custody, and that's what they define as sanctuary um, in in the executive order. So it was kind of um, an interesting. Uh, play to, to repeal that section of statute. And uh, in some ways, uh, you know, I was, I personally, I voted against the measure 105 because I kind of like that section of statute because it's one of the few places in state law they have codified the concept that if you don't provide the money for something, then local government doesn't have to do it and doesn't have to spend their own money to do something that you, a higher level of government, want done. 
know, because that's basically all that that section of state law says is local government can't spend local resources enforcing a federal law. The federal government's got to provide that. So it'll be uh, that's one of those things where you just, you know, I kind of like that being in there because then that helps me uh, when I fight back against the state and they want me to spend local money to enforce a state law, say, on um, some kind of gun control or whatever law they come up with and they haven't given us the money to do so. Um, I can point to that and say, if it's good for, for, for immigration enforcement, it ought to be good for any other form of enforcement. Give us the money, then we'll do, do the work. <laughs> yeah. So um, that was kind of one of my reasons for voting no. 106 uh, you know, was interesting, uh, and this kind of gets along with the fact that they got enough Democrats to turn out, and the Democrats tend to defeat this sort of thing. But I'm a little surprised because um, the concept of tax dollars paying for abortion is not necessarily, you know, you know, is necessarily uh, popular, uh, even with people that support um, choice, you know, because it's about, you know, do we want to use tax dollars to pay for um, something like that? So that was interesting. But looking at all that together, what passed and didn't pass, who got elected to statewide office, the majorities and all that, it all points to the fact that there was a real concerted effort to get those high-density Democrat, high-density population areas to turn out and turn in their ballots, and um, you know that just it won the day. But one of the things that is still very obvious when you look at the results by county is just how far apart the rural Oregon is with urban Oregon. There's still a huge um, rural-urban divide uh, on a lot of issues. Um, you know, if you just look at the governor's race, uh, rural Oregon supported Newt Bueller very heavily, uh, and you know, Multnomah County and the Portland area supported Kate Brown. You know, so it, it's uh, definitive. You know, this this shows this election kind of even greater showed that divide between rural Oregon and urban Oregon in some ways and just who, who voted for what, you know, and, you know, the, the math just works out that there's a lot more people in urban um, Oregon than there are in rural Oregon and they can outvote um, rural Oregon. And, and that's where we get Kate Brown and the supermajority and the uh, results we got out of the um, statewide measures. So turning a bit more locally, and as I do, I'll just remind folks that if you have any comments on the statewide elections, you can reach me at 646-721-9887. Just press one and that lets Robin, my call screener and producer extraordinaire, know you wanna get in on the conversation. Again, that's 646-721-9887. And just press one if you want to get in on a conversation here on the Bose Nose Show and talk to me, your host, Jay Bozovich, Westland County Commissioner. So as we turn to local uh, election results here in Lane County, uh, once again, you know, we have the, the proverbial uh, uh, tilting at windmills by Art Robinson and trying to bring down Peter DeFazio. Uh, and the, the, the local version of that just here in Lane County was that um, in Lane County, uh, DeFazio doubled Art Robinson's vote tally, two to one. So you're just, you know, Art, you're a nice guy. You're a very smart man. I like some of your ideas about governance and small government and um, individual rights but maybe it's time for you to let somebody else take a try at that windmill because uh, uh, you've tried multiple times and it seems to be getting worse each time. Uh, you know, locally here in Lane County, uh, again, we're one of those areas where Eugene had a really high turnout 
uh, Kate Brown, uh, you know, basically 95,000 to Newt Bueller's 67,000. So that's uh, almost uh, yeah, basically 28,000 more votes out of Lane County for Kate Brown. And um, that's really uh, an interesting, you know, you know, quite a large, much more uh, winning percentage here in Lane County than than her five percent margin. So definitely uh, not going to you know see many Republicans elected out of Lane County. Uh, as we you know look down the ballot, there were a couple you know races that were competitive or at least thought to be competitive. Uh, Terry Greer and Caddy McEwen, at, at least in Lane County and in the whole um, Ninth District, uh, Caddy managed to pull that one out. She also won here in Lane County. Um, Marty Wildey uh, easily defeated Mark Herbert in that what was supposed to be a competitive district in House 11. That uh, wasn't really, and uh, you know, basically it was an all Democrats and everything else. That brings us on down to our county races, and yours truly um, won my re-election. Actually, won it in May when I took more than 50% of the vote. But it's kind of uh, being a nonpartisan race. Then my name is the only name that appears on the ballot. 1,170 people did write somebody else in, but I, I took 18,826 votes myself, so I easily beat the write-ins. Of course, the write-ins can be anything from Mickey Mouse to Donald Duck. Um, fortunately, when it's that far apart, they don't count them. They just lump them into one. Uh, but uh, that was nice, and it was also nice that my 18,826 votes was the most votes of any of the three commissioners' uh, races. Uh, and, uh, you know, when you look over into Springfield, where Joe Burney was also on the ballot by himself, he took 15,400 votes. Uh, and we, you know, our districts are balanced with the number of, of people and, and about the same number of elect of uh registered voters. So uh, I'm happy to see I took a few more there. Um, East Lane Commissioner. This was the race that basically was the swing race for whether or not the Lane County Board of Commissioners was going to continue with a, and I, I wouldn't call it a conservative majority, I'd say a more conservative majority versus a more progressive majority. Because I don't, I, you know, it's hard to look at Pat Farr um, and his record as a legislator when he supported tax increases, um, his current uh, efforts to support um, homelessness and and other issues, and and um, look at him and say that's a pure conservative. Um, it's hard to look at me in a lot of ways and say I'm a pure conservative because of my um, very libertarian social uh, is issues. And, um, you know, if you actually get past some of the rhetoric from the other side and look at what I actually have done, uh, governed very much from the middle. Um, and Gary Williams uh, is a pragmatic um, former mayor of Cottage Grove um, and is not what I would consider to be uh, far right. But uh, Gary, Pat, and I made up a voting majority with Sid Lykin already losing his race. Actually, the majority uh, in this last year has been the four of us. Um, Sid already lost his race to Joe Bernie in the spring, so we were down to three, and um, Gary Williams' reelection was going to depend on whether or not we held on to that um, I would say moderate to conservative majority. Um, Heather Buck um, beat Gary, and uh, I would consider her a moderate to progressive. The interesting thing is, um, you know, one of the places I think um, Gary and myself are probably a little bit more conservative on is when it comes to labor relations issues and um, budget um, being much more of a um, fiscal conservatives, uh, that's probably the one place you could have called the majority a little bit 
conservatives as we were trying to control costs so we could provide more service. Well, um, Ms. Buck had the backing of ASME and many other collective bargaining units in the area and uh, actually was out at the picket lines when they were striking us, attempting to get up to a 20% increase in their wages um, at a time you know, that would have uh, caused us to have to lay some of their members off in order to pay for the contract they originally asked for. Um, Joe Bernie was heavily supported by ASME and uh, Commissioner Sorensen has been supported by um, public employee unions in the past. So what you really kind of have is uh, a switchover from a more fiscally conservative oriented board to now a board that has um, more of a public employee union bent. So it'll be interesting to see how union negotiations move forward with the new board next year and um, what it does to the budget of Lane County and whether or not you know, you're going to start seeing uh, cuts in services based on to pay for um, increases in contracts. Uh, so, or, or, or is there going to be some kind of attempt to go after new revenues to pay for the increases in contracts? So, it'll be interesting um, with Heather coming in. I think Heather is probably the most moderate of the three that are going to form that um, that majority, and therefore she'll be a swing vote and and possibly become. A, a local version of Senator Betsy Johnson, which you know uh, would you know if you're going to model yourself after a legislature, she's a well-respected legislator. Um, and so I'm kind of you know Heather you know at least ran on the moderate side, uh, talked about jobs and uh, housing and business, um, economic development. It'll be. It'll just be interesting to see how that balances with the fact that she's also been a very strong union supporter and and whether that can be balanced out in um, how we execute our budget in Lane County and whether or not they're going to, you know, increase property taxes, which has an impact on people's ability to get housing and all um, in order to pay for what they may want to do with the union. So it'll be interesting to watch. Um, in the future, uh, I'm looking forward to working with both Heather and Joe. Uh, we have to work as a team. You have to count three as a county commissioner in Lane County because there are five of us and it takes three votes to get anything done. And uh, hopefully there'll be, you know, and and this is, you know, goes back to my, one of my major principles in politics is hopefully they also have the assumption and are trying to do what's best for the community. And it's just a matter of me convincing them to, um, you know, to moderate and, 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 you know, whether my ideas are what's best for the community or their ideas are, and they may have some great ideas and we'll be able to work on those. So, but it's, it is a change for Lane County and it's going to be some interesting um, times in the future to see how it works out. Uh, to see, you know, who takes, who, who becomes the leader of, of that new majority. Um, does it become Heather because she'll be the swing vote, or does it become Pete Sorensen because he's the senior um, commissioner out of those three? Uh, it'll be interesting to see. And uh, uh, I'm hoping that we can kind of work together in a way that ignores um, some of the party labels and just looks at what's best for Lane County and the citizens of Lane County. Because I think we've tried very hard over the last uh, eight years that I've been a commissioner to keep that um, front and center in our mind as to what's best for Lane County. So kind of moving down ballot a little bit, I, I just have to mention um, a couple things. One, I was I was shocked by the margin with which 4J was able to get their uh, bond measure passed, the largest bond measure ever in Lane County, you know, $300 million plus, 
and uh, it passed basically with a two to one margin. Yeah, that's just amazing to me. And, and I, it, I'm just, you know, surprised at the margin and, and uh, can kind of just wonder, you know, in my back of my head, um, you know, how that became so successful. You know, it, you know, just really uh, pretty impressive win for 4J School Board. You know, after I I wasn't, you know, I, I thought for sure they were going to have trouble because it was such a big ask of the voters. On the other side, Sayusla School District in the Florence area failed in their bond measure, which was a little over $100 million, you know, a third the size. But, of course, there's a lot less taxable value there, so it was actually a larger per thousand ask of voters. Uh, so, you know, they didn't, they lost... Um, not not two to one. It wasn't a flip over, but they lost significantly. They lost by more than ten points, which is a sound defeat. And um, they're going to have to go back to the drawing board and kind of figure out can they maybe split up the the improvements to the high school, do parts of it. it you know, does it all have to be done at once? Um, you know, what can you what can you do that the voters will buy? Uh, and that'll be interesting, but. Speaking of measures and all that stuff, I, I was um, pleased to see um, a no vote prevail on measure 2290, which is the star voting. Uh, it was something that I felt was a solution looking for a problem to solve. And our Lane County elections, which that was the only thing it would have impacted because it was a charter amendment to Lane County, so it only um, affects Lane County uh, elections. All of our elections are nonpartisan. So we don't quite run into the issue of spoiler candidates, which is kind of what star voting was trying to fix, was the idea when somebody would lose like a, a Republican or a Democrat primary and be so angry about it, they turned around and got a minor party or, or some invented some new minor party to get on the general election ballot and swung the race actually to somebody that probably would not have won yet for the spoiler candidacy. And that was the intent really of what star voting was supposed to do, was supposed to root, was supposed to, basically take away the ability of folks to run spoiler candidates. Um, and with the way Lane County works, as nonpartisan, the top two vote-getters move forward. So you really don't get the spoiler candidate. You can't come back in a general election and be a spoiler candidate or bring in a spoiler candidate in the November election, in a Lane County election, because the maximum people on the ballot is two. And it's because they were the top two vote getters from May. So there's a runoff and a primary that's open to all top two vote getters move on. So there isn't that issue of, of needing to have a system to eliminate that. Now, the secondary claim to star voting was, well, you only have to have one election. Well, Lane County still has to run both elections. You know, we still got to run all the, the elections for all the state races in May, all the local measures that might be on a ballot in May, and we're still going to have to run a general election. So it's not going to save Lane County any money. In fact, it is actually going to cost us money to set up the system. So to me, you know, if star voting is going to come about, it needs to come about in partisan races, and it needs to be a statewide measure. Um, and not, uh, you know, or be in a county where they have partisan elections. You know, Lane County was not the place to test it out. It was a complicated system of voting. It was really not necessary in Lane County, and it was going to be expensive for us. So kind of happy to see star voting not be implemented here in Lane County. We'll save our tax resources for something else. So I also just have to say congratulations to some of the folks that did win their elections. Um, you know, we saw um, 
you know, a lot of mayors get reelected that were un, un, uh, unopposed. Uh, Mayor Florence uh, got reelected, but I also saw um, there was kind of a controversial election for city council, and it looks like Woody Woodbury, um, you know, was a top vote getter there, and uh, Geraldine Lucio. Um, was the uh, second vote getter. So congratulations to Woody and Geraldine um, you know, for making it on the city council there in Florence. Uh, you know, basically all of the Eugene city council races were decided in May. Um, interesting looking at the, so it was similar nonpartisan races. They all got more than 50%, uh, one person on the ballot for November. But Mike Clark, got a thousand more votes than the second highest candidate for city council out of the four city councilors. So congratulations, Mike Clark, for your strong show of support from your ward. Uh, you know, and I just want to say you know, congratulations to uh, Bob uh, Forsyth, uh, reelected to the Dune City mayor, because he, he was actually kind of appointed in, in interim there. Uh, we saw, uh, you know, uh, Jeff Gowing uh, reelected to Cottage Grove. So, yeah, there's just a lot of local elections. And I, I just have to say, even the people that lost local elections here, I'm so happy to see enough people run to have competitive elections in a lot of these local races. I mean, there's some places like um, Coburg City Councilor, they're supposed to be three places and they only had two people on the ballot. So it was a vote for three. So there's a fair, it, the third person is probably going to be a write-in winner, you know, so it's kind of sad to see that sometimes. So when you see um, folks that actually ran and didn't win, just, you know, they stepped up, they tried, they got involved and, and wanted to make a difference and put themselves out there. And I know from experience it's not an easy thing to do to be in the public eye. Um, and even for some of these little city council races, like the city of Florence got really nasty um, this year. So you really have to, uh, you know, kind of go in with your um, lead underwear and uh, a thick skin and be ready to take the slings and arrows. It takes, you know, I really have to appreciate folks that are willing to step up uh, and run for these elections. So congratulations and thank you to everyone that ran. And I just want to say thank you to everyone that supported me in my election. Uh, I look forward to my next term here at Lane County. I'll continue my work um, to try and make Lane County a better place uh, to live and um, really appreciate your support. So with that, I am going to shut up, and if you want to call in at 646-721-9887 and give me your thoughts on the election, uh, just press 1. Let Robin uh, know you want to get in here. Again, that's 646-721-9887. Just press 1. And I have to ask Robin, any thoughts on yesterday's election? You know, what, what do you walk away with? Am I way off the mark with the idea that, you know, Oregon kind of saw the blue wave in, in the in the municipal and high, you know, population areas turning out really well? Um, you know. It's interesting looking at the breakdown of how the different voted. It's kind of like they all got the same library card or something. Yeah, um, you're mipping in and out a little bit there. For me, um, yeah, it, it it is interesting looking at the vote and just you know how things went. Well, I will say I will say I was not surprised though in the turnout or you know in the outcome. No, and I I don't think I was terribly surprised. I I guess my only surprise was that some of the races that I thought were going to be close weren't closer. Right. I, you know, I watched. Uh, Terry Greer in House District 9 work so hard. And sometimes when you get somebody that works that hard, that can overcome a, a, a registration difference. 
she was knocking on doors right down to the, the you know almost eight o'clock on election day. I, I I would love to know how many doors she actually knocked on in her district. She worked hard, so I was expecting that to be closer. Um, I was expecting the governor's race to be closer. I I, I wasn't surprised by House Eleven um, too much, um, but uh, it just you know, I, and I wasn't surprised that the governor won re-election. I was just surprised it was by as much by five percent. I thought it was going to be tighter. Yeah, and I wonder how many people voted for Heather Bach just to shut her up. Because every time you turned on YouTube or the radio, all you heard was Heather Bach, Heather Bach, Heather Bach. <laughs> well, she did a good job of fundraising. Yeah, she did. And, and had a lot of support um, you know, from the unions and a lot of echo chamber there going. You know, when you when you get you know, that union support, that's a lot of foot soldiers that come along with that. And and that also means that's a lot of social media accounts that can like and and share the same thing, so it pops up on your feed a lot. <laughs> well, I'll tell you a, a little funny story in a way. This is called bad timing, is that we got Century uh, Tail going around the neighborhood here because apparently they're putting in fiber optics. So the three of them are going door to door trying to get subscribers. And most people are ignoring them because they think it's somebody, uh, you know, trying to sell a vote or, or uh, yeah measure or something like that. Yeah, it's like somebody electioneering and it's somebody actually selling. Exactly. Poor guys. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Which kind of brings me to another thing. You know, it came up uh, at least in social media is you know, there is a court decision that defines um, you know, that door knocking they do in elections as free speech, not solicitation. And so, so that you can ignore a no solicitation sign because you're not quote soliciting. Um, the, the, the problem I always found, and I never, I don't knock on doors that have a no soliciting sign when I'm going around doing doors, door to door. I wish people would post them more prominently because you quite often get up to a door and it's on the side and you can't see it till you actually get right on the person's doorstep. And by that time, their dog's barking like crazy and you've woken the baby up and <laughs> they're not happy with you. Even though you, you saw it and were walking away, you've already disturbed the household. Um, so if, 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 if the whole reason you got it is you don't want to be disturbed, put it where you can see it from the curb. Exactly. <laughs> Put it out on your on your on your signpost at the curb or something. Um, but it was interesting that every one I've heard complain about door knockers that ignored no soliciting signs. It was door knockers for progressive left of center candidates and campaigns and and measure campaigns because it seems like they're you know. They're okay, and they kind of carry that court ruling around with them to say, look, see, we, we're allowed to. Yeah, and here's my free speech. I'm going to yell at you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I just, you know, it was one of those interesting things that came up this election, and, and I've always looked at those signs and said, nope, not going to knock. I might leave something under their, their doormat where it can't be seen from the street, you know, some literature or something like that, but I will not knock on their door. Speaking of, here's one of my pet peeves. Yeah. I've actually used to uh, follow up on this. Okay, picture this. Picture this, if you will. Uh, okay, you go on vacation to, I don't know, England. Um, and you have your your newspaper. You know, somebody's picking up your newspaper, you, and you have somebody pick up your mail, and you have a... You know, you leave the TV on, you got the lights, so they come on randomly. You do everything to make it look like um, that you're home. And then somebody comes up and they leave a flyer on your front door, and you get burglarized. Yeah. Because that flyer is advertising you're not home. Who's going to get sued? Yeah. You'd be amazed on how many uh, people have done that, and I call them on that, and they're just like, oh. Yeah. 
Yeah, see, I won't stick them in the door jam or hang it, hang on a doorknob. The the first campaign I was involved with, um, I got door hangers, sort of, you know, uh, flyers that hung on doorknobs, right. and I I heard from lots of people about that. It was like last time I did that. You know, they were like, yeah, that's like a flag you're putting on my house. Yeah, but exactly. take that down in a couple of days. People know I'm not home. Although. Other thing I've learned is when you leave literature on somebody's front doorstep, uh-huh. people don't use their front doors anymore. They come in and out through the garage. You know, they hit the door opener, they pull in their garage, close the door, and they, and they, and they never even see their front doors. <laughs> You'd be amazed. I've come up the front doors and seen stuff underneath the doormats that looked like it had been there for a year. <laughs> oh. The front door is all dusty and dirty. It's like that people just don't use front doors anymore. Is that what that's for? Yeah. I mean, it's just, unless the, unless you have kids that run in and out of the house all the time, uh, a lot of you know adults don't use front doors. They come in and out through the garage from their vehicle. <laughs> and, or they use the back door to get out in the yard for barbecue or to go you know work in the yard or whatever. You don't walk in and out of the front door to go gardening because you don't want to track anything. You, sure. come out, you come out in the garage to get your tools first. Yeah. Well, you can't do the barbecue anymore because we'll probably have a carpet attack. Yeah, yeah. The briquettes will get too expensive. Yeah. Or some or a good band for whatever reason. Who knows? Yeah. 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 Uh yeah. So yeah, it it's a little bit depressing to me because um I am a fiscal conservative and I kind of feel like um, the people that are now in control of state and local governments are generally not, uh, you know, and and it's not so much that I don't want government. I'm not anti-government. I just want government to be efficient and, uh, and at least be accountable. And um, I'm I'm just really concerned that things are just going to run away and, because they're running away, they're going to start having to cut stuff because they're, you know, not being efficient with their money. And then that leads to calls for new taxes. And with between the regulations that are being talked about on carbon and any new taxes, we're going to, you know, the state's economy is going to suffer eventually. Yeah, then we'll be forced on like a transportation tax and sooner or later carbon tax that affects the vehicles, kind of like Portland Medford. Um, what else can we throw in there? Oh, I don't know. They, you know, they're, they, they tried that value added tax. Oh God. Amber measure 97. Yeah. Yep. That gross receipts tax or whatever you want to call it was based, you know, and I was in England and the bat there is incredible. Um, and so, some of the places you went actually had it on the tab, how much the value added tax is. It's huge. Well, speaking of, if I can find it real quick here as I'm looking at different measures, there was something in Portland about an extra um, surtax. Let me find it here real quick. Got a lot of stuff to go through. Yeah. Yeah, I think I know which one you're talking about. Um, I mean, I have a cow every time I take a few minutes and look at my uh, utility bill of all the taxes. And then cable. Oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah, all these little taxes that are buried in, in, in those things. Measure 26. 6201 City of Portland imposes surcharge on certain retailers funds clean energy clean energy and job training. Yeah, and it passed by a 2 to 1 margin. Yeah. Now is there any accountability tracking of where those funds go? I don't know. Of course, wasn't it Yeah, it was Portland that also had the what $5 a head arts tax I'm not sure. Yeah, I think they did. And then uh, uh, Montgomery County had the ITAX a while back, and they, I think they had to give that up because they nobody wanted to pay it after they voted it voted in. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, and I was just looking. They also passed um, uh, bonding for affordable housing. And don't get me started on the uh, personal property tax for business, or yeah. the, the TP tax, as I call it. Uh, your $35 arts tax was due April 17th, 2018. With a, oh, just change the page on me. Stop it. Uh, with a $15 late, late penalty has been assessed. So, um, I can find what it says. So, yeah, there is an arts tax in Portland. Yeah. Yeah, it's Portland. Yeah. At least we haven't gotten that down here in Lane County yet. Um. Yeah, I, I I really don't understand how they can how they can do that because I think it is per head. You have to be over eighteen or something like that. Then congratulations, um, go us five bucks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So to, so to completely change the subject for a minute. Oh, let's do. So yesterday's board of commissioners meeting, we had um, an hour or so of public comment from a bunch of homeless people um, that we, you know, we had that, uh, quote, spontaneous um, uh, protest camp spring up on county property there uh, across from uh, the, the public service building, protesting the city of Eugene's um, homeless uh, uh, camping ordinances um, and a pro- prohibition on camping. And of course, they're camping on county property to protest the city, which don't get me started there. That's the way the last protest started. Um, but with the Ninth Circuit decision, you can't just pass and then arrest anyone that doesn't want to move when if you don't have an alternative for them. So Wayne County, um, our staff and our administrator in particular, um, realized we had a piece of ground that we had foreclosed on up on Highway 99 um, that would be much more suitable because it was right across the street from St. Vincent de Paul's Lindholm Center where they have showers and they serve meals during the day um, and have some other services there um, like mail mail service, mailbox service and a few other things. Um, so we got, we convinced the campers to to relocate up there voluntarily, um, provided them with a much better situation because they didn't have bathrooms or anything over at Butterfly Lot. We actually provided them um, porta pots. Uh, we provided them hand washing stations. We had running water for them. Um, we provided a fence for security around the campsite, and we provided um, trash service and pick up. Uh, so it was a much more sanitary situation and a better place to camp and all that. Well, Lane County, are, we don't run uh, rest stops and homeless camps. That's not, you know, we don't have any that we run now. So once we got them, you know, they were over there, we knew they are going to be there for a while. So we talked to St. Vincent de Paul that has run camps and asked them to um, contract with us to run the camp. Well, the campers are upset about that. They wanted to run their own camp. <laughs> you know, they wanted to, 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 you know, be self-governed, so to speak, or something. And I don't know, you know, how they were going to manage that and, you know, how, you know, if there was a camper misbehaving, how would they even have authority to deal with that? because um, they don't own the property and no one had delegated any authority to manage the property to somebody camping there, um, you know, even if it's the, quote, organizer and leader of the protest. Um, so uh, they were upset that we were bringing St. Vincent de Paul in because apparently some of the campers don't like them. And and the guy that is, quote, their leader and organizer, of course, was upset that he wasn't going to get to run the show. Uh, and actually, it, had written scripts for most of the public comment for the campers that came in. And uh, it was quite the show. And to me, it was one of those things of looking a gift horse in the mouth. You know, here Lane County finds some land, 
provides porta potties, hand washing stations, fencing, trash service, helps them move their belongings, helps them set it up. In fact, this happened while I was in England, but I heard about it from somebody with uh, Eugene Police Department. Our county administrator was out there for over 12 hours on a Saturday. He personally was moving porta potties around, you know, pushing them around on the skids to get them set up and helping people set up tents and move belongings himself on a Saturday. And these people were upset that we're going to have St. Vincent's manage the site and we're going to be able to delegate some of our authority as the property owners of that site um, to St. Vincent in that management contract, you know, because at least St. Vincent is, you know, a, an organization, uh, you know, licensed by the state. They're a nonprofit that's, you know, got all of their, you know, uh, papers in order. They have liability insurance and a few other things. Uh, you know, it's none of the things that any of the campers really have. You know, that we're where that you know there's some ability for the county to hold you know St. Vincent accountable if things go wrong. Um, so I was kind of shocked and 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 stunned to sit there and listen to uh, folks talk so poorly about one of the best nonprofits in this state. Uh, I, you know, all I could think is as they were talking about how the folks at St. Vincent are just pocketing the money and they're a bunch of thieves and all that stuff is have they met Terry McDonald? Do they know Paul Neville? You know, have they really sat down with Chief Kearns, you know, former Chief Kearns um, that works for them now? These, you know, these people are dedicated to the, providing the services they provide. And I can't think of anyone more um, innovative than Terry McDonald in trying to weave together revenue streams and programs so that they all um, complement each other. You know, from the you know the secondhand stores that St. Vinny's runs, hire you know some of the people who actually work for St. Vinny's are people they're trying to help get you know back into the workforce and have had issues and all that. You know. They have their their uh, recycled glass facility that's actually taking a waste product and turning it into uh, an ornamental product that they can actually take the revenue from the sales of that and reinvest it in, in other programs. Um, it's just, you know, he's done a spectacular job of weaving all that together to provide all these various services, including a lot of services to um, homeless or people close to being homeless. And uh, it was just surprising to hear um, such a good organization be denigrated in public. And just surprisingly how ungrateful it seemed um, some of these folks were for what the county had done to try and provide them a safe place to sleep um, where they would not get woken up in the middle of the night where their tent wouldn't disappear during the day if they had to try and go and, you know, file some paperwork somewhere to try and, you know, connect with some other uh, benefits and try and move on from being homeless or to look for permanent housing um, during the day. They knew that there was this secure place they could leave their belongings. Um, yeah, it just is really surprising. Um, and it was interesting to see some of the comments on the KEZI story kind of um, the community kind of saw that too. So I think, you know, it, when you're in the room at the time, you're kind of starting to think, Jesus, is St. Vinny's really this bad? Yeah. <laughs> I need to investigate St. Vinny's and then, uh, you know, kind of go back and look at the comments on the story on KEZI. And, and uh, they kind of followed my first thoughts was, is, geez, have they really met the people that run St. Benny's? Have they met anyone on the board of St. Benny's? You know, what a bunch of compassionate people. Um, so, well, that's the election wrap-up show of the Bo's Nose Show. I hear the music coming on. 
And enough about homelessness and campers and stuff. I'm sure we'll have lots of time to talk about that again on the next Bo's Nose show. Next week, it's going to be um, the Association of Oregon County's annual meeting. And hopefully I'll be able to break away long enough to do the Bo's Nose show. But I'll have some more interesting feedback statewide on what county commissioners are thinking of the future. So uh, be back here next week live from beautiful downtown Elmira. Thank you for listening to the Bose Nose Show. Talk to you next week. Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.